You don't know flag. You Don't Know Flat, a podcast full of stories about retro gaming, retro computing, video games, arcade games, and technology from a guy who was there and still is. My name is Rob O'Hara, but for the next 30 minutes, you can call me Flat. Episode 165, College. Greetings and salutations, listeners, and welcome to another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Today is October 6th, 2015, and I am your host, Rob Flack O'Hara. On today's episode of You Don't Know Flack, we will be talking about college. Now, the first time I went to college, I was still using my Commodore 64, and so in honor of that, I have put today's notes for the show on my Commodore 64, so let me go ahead and get those started loading, and uh, while those are loading, we will have a few minutes to talk during this week's loading time. Loading time. Loading time. Loading time. I have three notes for this week's loading time, and I'm going to be pretty brief about them because, to be honest, the first two will probably end up being uh, two additional episodes if you don't know Flack. Uh, the first one is uh, we just got our own barcade here in Oklahoma City, and I have been to uh, barcades. I'm using that with a lowercase b. I believe there's an actual uh, franchise called Barcade with a capital B. But when I say Barcade, um, I'm referring to a public bar that also has retro arcade games that may have a retro theme inside the bar. Uh, and so we just got our own in Oklahoma City. It's called the Flashback Retro Pub. I did attend the grand opening last week of, uh, of the Retro Pub. So I don't want to talk too much about it here in loading time, but uh, uh, suffice it to say, you know, it's it's a, a pub, so there's a, a, a focus on selling drinks, and they have about 30 classic arcade games inside, and my wife and I went, we played some games, so I would look forward to hearing about that probably pretty soon on an episode of You Don't Know Flack. Uh... For number two, I have here, I recently also attended the uh, unofficial 2015 Track and Field Championships, which took place at a private arcade here in Oklahoma. Track and Field, if you will recall, is the arcade game where you pound the run buttons to make your runner uh, run faster. I have covered Track and Field on Sprite Castle, the Commodore 64 version um, and so the uh, a couple of of really uh, high end track and field players from California flew in for the event. We had some locals here from Oklahoma. There was a big uh, competition. It was a really fun day, and the whole thing was recorded on video. And I actually did the commentary for the video during the games and interviewed some of the contestants before they competed. So the video is not out yet, but when it does come out, it will be available on YouTube. So when that does come out, I'm sure I'll mention it on a future show. Um, but uh, yeah, there, it's possible that I may talk about that uh, on a future You Don't Know Flack as well. The third thing that I have in my notes, uh, I just wrote down two words that say, Time suck. <laughs> and with that, uh, I am obviously referring to uh, college. 
I just recently enrolled in a new course, which is a prereq I need to start my uh, master's program in the spring. I am applying for a a new, a semi-new program at the University of Oklahoma, which is a master's of professional writing. And I'll be talking a little bit more about that in the show. But uh, there's one class that I needed to have before I can apply and start that process. So uh, that's kind of what I've been doing, where my head has been lately and uh, where my focus has been. So that also explains why I'm, I'm behind schedule on You Don't Know Flag. So forgive me for that. Uh, my notes have loaded up, and so um, if you have feedback about this episode or any other episode of the show in general, you can email your feedback to me at robohair at Uh You can leave a message for me on the You Don't Know Flack uh, voicemail box at 405-486-YDKF. You can always hit me up on Twitter if you want. It's at Commodore. Uh, or on the Facebook page, which I believe is just facebook.com forward slash You Don't Know Flack. Uh, so with all that out of the way, let's go ahead and get started about college. I actually recorded this episode, or a version of this episode, uh, about two or three weeks ago. Uh, I came up to the pod cart, my little rolling cart with my laptop and microphone and uh, all my stuff on it. It, it uh, stows away in the closet when I'm not recording. And when I am recording, I wheel it out. And I sat down with no show notes at all. And I started talking about uh, college. Just college in general, my experiences and the colleges I've attended. Uh, and at the end, when I listened back to it, it was the most depressing thing I have ever recorded. It is definitely the first podcast I've ever done where it was almost two hours in length, and when I was done, it was so depressing, I knew I would never put it out. I tried editing it, but it was the tone of it just uh, came out really kind of dark. Part of that was because I recorded it at night uh, after everyone was asleep, and so uh, I was talking really softly and, and slowly, and uh, it just just the tone was not right for this show, so I ended up scrapping it, and so this is version 2.0 of my college experience, which begins uh, in 1991, which is when I graduated from high school. Uh, I didn't have any college plans after high school. I knew uh, that I would probably go to college at some point. Some of my friends had already applied to go to college. Uh, I had not at that point, I hadn't really applied for any scholarships, and neither of my parents um, graduated from college, um, and I'm the oldest sibling, and I'm the oldest of all my cousins, so pretty much, uh, I, I could be wrong here, but as far as I know, I don't think anybody else in my family had, uh, uh, I, I know that uh, my dad, and, and uh, my dad for sure attended some college classes, but I don't think anybody uh, graduated from uh, from college, and so I, I hadn't really thought about that. You know, I hadn't thought uh, about going to school or um, graduating from school or what I wanted to do in school or what I wanted to do for a living. Um, and so, uh, right down the road for me, about a twenty minute drive away, it's about fifteen miles, is Redlands Community College. There's a few community colleges near me, um, but uh, Redlands Community College was uh, kind of like high school part two. 
uh, high school 2.0. It was where a lot of my friends uh, who didn't move away to go to school, obviously there are a lot of big schools here. If you're into college football at all, you probably know of OU and OSU, uh, University of Oklahoma and, and Oklahoma State University. Those are two really big schools. And then there's um, you know a few other schools that are big four-year schools. Uh, and then there are several community colleges close by as well. So, But a lot of my friends from high school who... Uh, were like me that that thought that they wanted to go to school but didn't know what for or why uh, decided to go to Redlands Community College. So uh, that that's what I decided to do. My parents made a deal with me that if I uh, uh, I don't remember which was which. I either I paid for class and they paid for books or vice versa. But each one ended up being about five hundred dollars uh, while while enrolled full time. So I, I paid for either the class or the books, one or the other, and, and they paid for the other one. Um, and so really what I want to focus on this podcast, I want to cut out, you know, all the, <laughs> all the depressing parts for the other one, but I want to focus on, uh, I have gone to college, uh, including this, my latest, my, um, latest attempt that I just started, uh, five different times. And so what I want to talk about is, um, what, prompted me to enroll in school each of these times and how it turned out. So the first time was in 1991. I'm not going to tell you about every class or anything. It's not going to be boring like that. So uh, so 1991, I graduated high school and I went and enrolled in Redlands. I walked in the front door and I was like, hey, I want to go to school here. And they said, well, have you applied? I was like, apply? Why do you apply to a school? You just pay your money and you go to school. At least uh, that's what I thought. So I got sent over to admissions. I filled out some paperwork. I had no idea what I was doing. And, um, you know, they asked me what classes I wanted to take. And I was like, I have, I have no idea. You, you know, I don't even, I'm not sure I knew that you picked out your own classes when you (laughs) went to college. I really had no, nobody who had done that before with me. Uh, I was, it was kind of on my own. And so I, I, uh, got some suggestions. I think I may have talked to an advisor or somebody who gave me some suggestions. They said, well, you're, you're going to need English. You're going to need history. Um, you know, I think I'd put down liberal arts major, which basically means you want, you know, two years of, of random college classes with, with, uh, no specific focus. And so I, I, you know, signed up for some classes and on the, the first class I took the first day, I mean, 8 AM day one of school, was uh, English Comp 101, and my professor was uh, Mrs. Kelly Rupp. Now, Kelly Rupp was also in charge of the journalism department at Redlands. So uh, I I took her class, and I turned in my first assignment, and right after that, Kelly uh, got with me and said, you are a good writer, and I'm in the journalism program, and I would love for you to come over to journalism as well. So I added a couple of classes. I added newspaper and yearbook, and I began writing for both the newspaper and yearbook, and very quickly I took over as editor of the newspaper and yearbook. Now also, uh, I was doing layout and design for both the uh, both newspaper and yearbook. It sounds like I've said that phrase a lot. Um, but when I first started at Redlands, they did manual layout. So we had a light box 
and you know we would print out our stories at a certain font and use an exacto knife and cut them out and use glue sticks and do our layout like that it was really old school we did that um like the first semester but they had purchased an entire journalism room and filled them with uh macintosh classic i think they're se's and so uh and they had um page maker on them, Aldous Pagemaker. Of course, these are the classic Macs, you know, with the little nine-inch uh, black and white screen. And uh, so we we shifted the layout from the old-school method of of cutting and gluing and all those things to uh, electronic. So I was I was there as the the journalism department was switching over between those two. Uh, so I went to Redlands for two years, and. I at the end of two years, I assumed that after you went to school, like if you were a full time student for two years, and then at the end of those two years you graduated. That's that's really what I thought. And so towards the end of my second semester, I found out that that's not how that works. <laughs> that you have to take specific classes uh, and and all these things to meet the requirements of the degree, which I had not done. In fact, uh, I had taken newspaper in your book every year or every semester for two years. So I'd taken those classes four times and I only got credit for them the first time. And I didn't know that that's, uh, <laughs> was how that worked. Uh, so I had a really good time at Redlands. I made a lot of friends. Uh, I spent most of my time in the journalism department. Uh, some of my buddies, uh, you know, I was friends with the, the, the two guys that were in charge of the photography and so I worked, of course, closely with those guys um, who hung out in the dark room a lot. You know, so I hung out a lot in the dark room. I hung out. Uh, I edited as other kids turned in their homework assignment. You know, the journalism department was kind of funny because it was halfway. Well, maybe not half. Let's go thirds. A third of the people in the journalism department were people who wanted to be writers and journalists. Then there was a third of the people that thought, mm, you know, this kind of sounds interesting or maybe it sounds easy. And so you have those uh, students who are in there. And then there were uh, the sports guys, the guys from the basketball team, the guys from, uh, you know, the other sports uh, and that, you know, they were taking this for an easy grade. Now, I ended up being friends with a lot of those guys. They're really nice guys, but we had people come into the journalism program who could not write um, a basic sentence and people who did not know. And I'm not talking about the advanced rules of grammar, like, you know, does a quote, uh, you know, does a comma go inside or outside a quote, things like that. I'm talking about people that couldn't put together, um, you know, a basic sentence. And so... My job, I, I basically had three duties. Number one, I was the editor of both of those publications. And that meant also being the copy editor. So as kids turned in their things, you know, I would go over them and look. And, uh, I mean, there were things that, there were a lot of articles that I simply rewrote and left somebody's name on. So that, that happened from time to time. Um, but uh, Kelly and myself and the, and the photo guys and, you know, one or two, we spent a lot of time up at school. I had a key to the room so I could uh, come and go on the weekends, whatever I needed to do to uh, work on the paper. And uh, just I, I have so many good memories of that time. But So basically, I, I started going to Redlands because I had no plan. <laughs> and when uh, those two years were up and I realized that there was still no plan 
uh, I'd kind of had my fill. I was actually working uh, full time, you know, 40 hours a week. Uh, I think it, well, different pizza places, you know, Pizza Hut and Pizza Inn. Uh, so that was taking a lot of my time. And, uh, you know, I had moved out as so I was living in an apartment. So I had rent. I, so I had a lot of stuff going on. So I was doing school full time, work full time. Um, and, and then this additional, you know, I actually got paid for my position as the copy editor or for the, the editor, you know, of the newspaper and the yearbook. So there was a certain amount of hours. I think I had to put, um, uh, 10 hours a week in for each one, log those. So, I mean, including work that was, you know, going to school full time and 60 hours a week. So it, it took a lot, you know, all my, all my time basically. Uh, and, and so when I was done with that, uh, you know, I, I was a little disappointed that at the end, you know, that there wasn't a bigger picture, I suppose there, that I didn't know what the big picture was. So, um, so I, I quit, you know, I didn't quit. It was, I just didn't re-enroll after two years. And so that was my first school Redlands, uh, from 91 to 93. Now, when I, when I was done with school, I didn't know what was next for me. And I got this job with my dad. My dad worked at a printing company, and I got a job at Oklahoma Graphics. And when I tell people about the job at Oklahoma Graphics, uh, people don't believe me. People don't believe um, how horrible <laughs> it was the way I describe it, which is uh, I worked 12 hours a day, three days a week. And every other Sunday. So I actually worked Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and every other Sunday. So one week I would work 36 hours. The next week I would work 48 hours. Uh, my job was to stand in a warehouse at the end of a giant printing press that printed, um, when, when it was up and running at full speed, this thing printed about 70,000 books an hour. Now when I say books, I'm talking about pamphlets the kind of pamphlets you get um, maybe in your shopping cart or your mailbox or maybe in the Sunday newspaper. So there's this giant machine. I want you to think of this machine that's, you know, maybe a hundred foot long uh, and um, dangerous as all get out. I mean, th there were notches, you know, people would put notches every time somebody had been hurt or lost a finger or whatever, you know, I had just this huge, massive piece of machinery. And at one end, there was a uh, roll of paper. The, the paper rolls, to give you an idea, weighed more than a ton. Some of them were 2,500 pounds of a paper roll. They, you use a forklift to put it on one end of the press. The paper went all the way through, four-color press. There were ovens and rollers and cutters. And then at the other end were stackers, and I was a stacker. So um, at the end, the, the papers were cut, folded, and they came off, uh, and they were put into a stack, and it was my job to take these papers in a stack, take them off the stack and uh, or off the rollers and put them onto a, a skid, you know, a, a you know little wooden skid. And I did that for 12 hours a day. There was no breaks. There was no meal break. There was no rest break. There was no bathroom break. And as long as the press was up and running, it didn't stop. Occasionally it stopped if they had to change jobs in the middle of a shift or something. But if you... Uh, one of, we did um, ads for Walmart. So Walmart, uh, Walmart would order, you know, six million flyers, and so when we got that order, it would run for days. So there, there was no stopping. If you had to go to the bathroom, you had to let the person next to you know that. At the end of my my press had uh, four stackers, 
So if you had to go to the bathroom, you had to let somebody else know, you would run to the bathroom and the other stacker would have to stack your stack and their stack. Now, the rollers where these papers came off would hold about six stacks of papers and maybe it would do one every 10 seconds, something like that. So uh, it was possible to wait, you know, a minute uh, for four or five stacks to build up and then take them all off at once. And then you could rest for a minute or you could just take one off every, you know, 10, 15 seconds, however long it took. Uh, so if you went to the bathroom, you know, you kind of had to do this thing where you would take all your stacks off and then walk over to the guy next to you and then, you know, wait till his is four or five deep and take their stacks, put it on a skid, uh, and then um, come back to yours, you know. So hopefully they, they were quick on the bathroom because it was really grueling. Uh, that is the job I've told people I lost. Uh, I worked there for three months. It was absolutely miserable. The, the uh, Where the presses were, were was in a uh, warehouse where there was no air conditioning, so they just had those giant industrial fans, and I worked there during the summer. Uh, you know, it was 80 degrees inside, and I lost like 30, 35 pounds in three months and doubled uh, the amount of food I was eating. That was back when Arby's used to have their five sandwiches for five bucks, uh, and somebody would always make a run for food, you know, and I would order five roast beef sandwiches and I would take a three liter of water uh, and sit there, you know, uh, so I would eat lunch before I went in and then uh, during dinner, you know, and, and again, no dinner break. You had to eat while you were stacking these things up. Um, but, uh, you know, I would sit there and eat five roast beef sandwiches and I was losing weight like crazy. It was a great weight loss place. It was a terrible career choice. And um, and my dad had been there for like 20 years at this point. He was a manager. And so, uh, you know, I didn't feel like I, I couldn't. I knew that I just couldn't walk out of the place, you know. But um, so I started looking for like, what, how can I get out of this? I mean, it was miserable, you know. It's funny. I, I'm definitely a person uh, all the time. I constantly think the grass is greener somewhere else. So when I was in school at Redlands, I thought, I don't want to be in school anymore. I want to go get a job and make some money. And then once I had a job and was making money, I was like, this blows. <laughs> I want to be in school so I could have a job someday where I sit at a desk, you know. So after three months of this, uh, throughout the summer, uh, a friend of mine called me. Uh, her name uh, was and is Susan. And my friend Susan called me, and I had known Susan in high school, and Susan said, Hey, I'm going to school at uh, Southwestern Oklahoma University, which is in Weatherford, Oklahoma. It was about an hour hour drive from where I lived. And she said that they had bought a uh, three-bedroom mobile home, brand new. And Susan and another girl were living there at the time, and they had a third room. They were looking for a roommate. And uh, I thought, you know what? That sounds better than what I'm doing. So I turned in my notice at Redlands, and I drove to Southwestern. I, I was driving a... Uh, a 1988 Ford Festiva. I loaded everything I owned into the Ford Festiva, folded down the seats, crammed it full of clothes and and posters and and my guitar, <laughs> videotapes, and whatever else I had. And I drove to Southwestern and I moved in. And by the way, I don't want to spoil this, um, but uh, Susan and I have been married for 20 years uh, <laughs> as of uh, earlier this summer. So, uh, it turns out things worked out pretty good, but anyway, 
So I moved to uh, Weatherford, Oklahoma. I moved into this trailer. Uh, the first night I was there, we had a big party. Everybody got really drunk. Uh, and we had a big, huge fight. I almost moved out the first day. <laughs> and uh, But anyway, so that's school number two, is Southwestern Oklahoma State University, SWOSU, or SWASU as we called it. And I really enrolled at SWASU to escape that job at Oklahoma Graphics, that printing job that was so terrible. I still didn't really know, quote-unquote, what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I knew it wasn't uh, a guy that stacked papers in a warehouse. I knew that wasn't uh, for me. And, and you know, as I was doing that job, uh, I, would, I would come up with ideas, like creative things or, or ideas for stories, I would come up with songs in my head, or I would, um, I remember one time that we, we had these little cardboard, round pieces of cardboard, I think they came off of pallets or something, and you could use them to stack papers on, and they looked like wheels to me, and so uh, I, had, I had put two of them together, and I got a little piece of paper, and there were Sharpies everywhere, I always had Sharpie markers laying around, and I drew you know, a car, and I stuck the paper on there. So it looked like a, a, a really out-of-proportion monster truck. You know, he had these two cardboard things, and then a picture of a truck kind of stuck in between them. And, and I thought it was funny. I set it up next to my little thing, you know, and I looked at it and laughed. And one of the guys walked by and looked at it, and then he just shook his head, not in a, oh, you're funny uh, kind of way, but in a, wow, you're an immature baby kind of way. You know, and so that's what when I the whole time I worked there, and of course, um, you know, we didn't have any of the outlets. I mean, you didn't have a smartphone or an MP3 player or anything. So it was twelve hours a day of putting in earphones or uh, uh, earplugs because the, everything was so loud. So you couldn't talk to people, you couldn't write or think or do anything, but just. Uh, stack these papers and my mind would wander for 12 hours a day and I, I just couldn't take it, man. So that's why I enrolled in Swasu. School number two was just literally to get away from that. Um, so they also had a journalism program and I enrolled in that and uh, immediately I think I became uh, entertainment section editor. So I edited the uh, entertainment articles and reviews and stuff and I uh, wrote, you know, movie reviews and, and uh, little funny feature articles and stuff like that. I had a good time in that. And um, so this is a really kind of dark story. And I, I've told this on uh, my my blog. And I, I, I mentioned it in the other version of the previously <laughs> 1.0 version of this podcast that uh, I ended up deleting. <clears throat> but... Um, at Redlands, over two years, I had developed a reputation of being the man, you know? So every we, we had to have the paper ready every Monday morning. Now, I will tell you, there are nights where midnight Sunday, I was there putting you know together the paper, editing things at the last minute, but I never, ever missed a deadline. Monday morning, 8 o'clock, we were always ready to go. And so... When I went to Weatherford, uh, Swasu, and I joined the paper, I, I was and I was young and I was immature, and I thought that that reputation would come with me. I mean, I didn't really think that, like you know, as in that sentence, like I just said. But uh, I don't know what I thought. But 
I just thought people would know, hey, this is Rob O'Hara. He gets stuff done, you know. So we would have deadlines and stuff. And I was actually the yearbook editor at Southwestern. And we would have uh, deadlines. And I was like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. We, we'll get it done, you know. We'll get things done. And uh, and this poor teacher that I had. And, of course, at the time I was super mad uh, when, when all these things came crashing down. And in retrospect, uh, and I have said this, I don't blame her one bit. I do not have any ill will towards this lady. Um, she was doing what she thought was best for the school and for the publication. And if I were an adult and saw a kid acting like this, I would do the exact same thing. Uh, but I went into uh, uh, the journalism class one day, and I had my own little desk as the editor of the yearbook. And I went in, and my desk had been emptied out. All my stuff was in a box. And the teacher pulled me into her office and said, you are giving me ulcers. I cannot deal with it. And I said, I said, you know what? I never missed a deadline at my old school. And she said, I know. She said, I called your old professor <laughs> to verify that. And she says that you're amazing and that, uh, you know, you will come through. But she said, I just can't deal with it. So I had an assistant editor. She made the assistant editor, the editor. And told me that um, I needed to work with her and transition stuff, and um, uh, that you know I could still work on the yearbook, but I was not going to be in charge of it. So I said, I, I didn't know what to say. I was embarrassed. You know, I really had my feelings hurt, and I was really embarrassed. And so I took my box of stuff off of uh, the table or off my desk. I took it out to my little Ford Festiva, and then I. I said, I'll be back. You know, I told him, I said, I'll be back. Let me take my stuff out to my car. And so I took it out to the car and I drove home and I never went back to that school again. Um, I went home and I, and, and I told Susan what had happened. And, you know, at the time I was working 40 hours a week, 45 hours a week at Long John Silver. So I was, you know, just dead tired. I would go to school all day, go home, change clothes, go stand next to a fish fryer. You know, I was a, a shift manager there. And, um, I just wasn't giving anything in my life a hundred percent. You know, I was going through the motions at school. I was going through the motions at Long John Silver's. Um, and, um, so I, I told Susan, I said, you know, um, uh, I, I, I don't know what to do anymore, you know, and we were failing classes. Our school was going down. I knew that I didn't want to, you know, serve fish <laughs> for a living, and so, um, I finally said, you know what, uh, here's what we're going to do. And we came up with this plan and I pulled a quarter out and this is uh, God's honest truth. I flipped the, I told her we're going to flip a quarter and if it's heads, we're going to uh, cut back on our hours at work. We're going to try to salvage the rest of this semester, pull out what grades we can and then reevaluate things. And if it's tails, uh, we're going to go see the Grand Canyon, which is something I had wanted to do for a long time. And so uh, I flipped the quarter and it was tails. And Susan looked at me and said, what are we going to do? And I said, I guess uh, go pack. So we packed up suitcases. Now at this time, uh, Susan's father had passed away the year before uh, and her mother had got some insurance money. So the, the money was in the bank. I mean, when I say some, I mean a lot of insurance money. Um, and, uh, so she told Susan, and if there's an emergency, you know, use this debit card and take money out. So, uh, that's what we did. We loaded up Susan's car and we started using this debit card. We could get out 200 bucks a day 
And uh, for a little over a week, we took out 200 bucks a day and we drove all over. <laughs> we got an I-40 uh, from Oklahoma. We drove west and we went to Grand Canyon and we went to Carlsbad Caverns and uh, we went to Albuquerque, New Mexico. We went to all these fun places, uh, just taking out cash. And then one day the debit card uh, quit working and Susan <laughs> called home and her mother said, get home. Uh, and so uh, we did have a really good vacation. Um, and we basically, I, I quit my job at Long John Silver's and, um, let's see, we, we quit school and I have an entire semester, I think of WFs on my transcript, which is withdrew while failing, uh, which is not really good for your overall GPA. And, um, so that was how Southwestern began and, and, uh, this was, uh, from 93 to 94, uh, we enrolled or I enrolled to get away from that horrible job and I quit because I didn't know why I was there. And that's, that's the, the truth. You know, I was paying money because I wanted to, to go somewhere else. I wanted to move in with somebody. I wanted to, you know, go to school because it seemed like something to do, but, uh, I, I just had no focus, you know? So, uh, we made the easiest move of our lives. We, uh, moved the mobile home, uh, all the way back to Oklahoma City. When you move a mobile home, they come out and put wheels on your house and they drag it wherever you want it. <laughs> so they told us to lay down our shelves, anything that was over four foot tall, I, I think. They said, put it on the floor. Uh, but that was it. We didn't box anything up. They drug our house back to Oklahoma City. And when they got it in the new uh, trailer park, they took the wheels back off and that was it. It was a good time. And I did not... Um, well, there was a time where I worked at, uh, that's during that times when I worked at Best Buy and, um, uh, still worked at some other pizza places, but, uh, I didn't go back to school for, um, another five years. So Susan hadn't graduated, uh, from school either. You know, both of us had this kind of hanging over our heads that we had a bunch of college credits out there, but we hadn't graduated. We didn't know what we needed to do to graduate. And so one day out of the blue, this was in, uh, I think 1999, Susan looked at my transcript and said, you know, so she had, she'd pulled up all this stuff. I think this, so this is, um, you know, kind of after, I guess the, um, the adoption of the internet and the World Wide web. So before that, you know, you had these college classes, but you had to call and talk to somebody and find out what the status was. But now all of a sudden this stuff is online, you know? Uh, and so Susan had got online and requested my transcript and my hours. And she looked at it and said, you know, you really only need, I think it was five classes. She said, if you take five classes, you could have your associate's degree. So I was like, well, I would probably do that. So there was another college, and this is college number three, which is Oklahoma City Community College, or OKCCC, or as we call it here locally, OKCCC. So... OKCCC is pretty close to where I work. It's actually about a 10-minute drive from where I work. And uh, I looked at uh, the classes that they had involved, uh, you know, for the, the program. It was a degree in English and journalism, which is what I, I really wanted to do at that point, you know. Um, I had interned at a couple of newspapers. I found out that reporters really don't make any money. Um, but I, I, you know, I had the most credits toward that degree. So that was the easiest way for me to finish up. Um, and I actually, I've just had my transcript here and I'm looking, 
I took five classes at OKCCC uh, Magazine, Feature Writing, New Millennium, which was kind of a fun class, um, Contemporary Math, because I had uh, withdrew while failing out of algebra, Macroeconomics, which was a horrible class, and General Astronomy, which was a um, interesting class. I don't know that I learned that much about astronomy, but it was uh, an easy A. So I took uh, three classes one semester and two the next semester, and in 2000, I finally uh, achieved my associates. Uh, it's an AA, Associates of Arts in English and Journalism. I like to joke that I was the proud recipient of a 10-year, two-year degree. <laughs> it takes most people uh, two years to get a uh, associate's degree, but it took me 10 years. Um, but that's why I went to OKCCC, which was my third school, was basically, uh, you know, to kind of correct those wrongs. You know, you feel like you started something and it's unfinished and it's just hanging out there. Uh, and, you know... I, I wouldn't have done it, really, if it wasn't for Susan. You know, I, I was at a point, and I'd been working for the FAA for uh, four years, five years at that point, and I already had the job I wanted, you know, so I didn't feel like getting that degree um, helped me at work or made me any more marketable, but, you know, I, I just wanted to do it and, and just kind of wrap that up. So that's what I did. So I got my AA, uh, I was happy, and as far as I was concerned, I was done with school. I really had no intention of going back uh, and getting a four-year degree. Uh, but Susan did, and in 2003, she enrolled at a local uh, college called Southern Nazarene University, SNU, and SNU has what they call adult studies learning programs. And what that is, is you go one night a week over so many months and, you know, each class they're, they're done consecutively. So, um, you know, you go for each class is five weeks long. So you go five nights, uh, you know, one night a week. So let's say it's uh, on Wednesday is when mine was. You go five Wednesdays, and then that's class one. And then, uh, you know, the next five Wednesdays are class two. And so you go through all the classes in order that you need to graduate. Um, it's designed for working adults, and so they are very accommodating to people that have full-time jobs. The classes are long, you know. They're uh, four hours long, I think. But, uh, you know, that, that's how you <laughs> – that's how it works, you know. So you sacrifice that one night a week – but that way you're not constantly, you know, juggling things, moving your schedule around or whatever. And so Susan, uh, in 2003, enrolled at SNU. She took a class. She didn't take a class. She took a degree. <laughs> and she went to school for um, either 13, I think it's 15 months, and graduated in 2004, in the, in the early spring of 2004. And she asked me, you know, once she was done, she asked me if I would be interested. So um, I, I was. Now, of course, uh, our son was born in 2001, at the very end of 2001. So when Susan was doing this, um, you know, in, in 2003, I mean, I, we had a, a two-year-old the whole time. So I was taking care of Mason, you know. Uh, I think Susan actually went, for a lot of her classes, had labs. So she would go two nights a week. So I was watching Mason, you know, when he was really little. But, uh, um, you know, she was able to do it. And so I, I can tell you for sure that I would not have gone to SNU 
if it hadn't been for uh, a Susan doing it. So when she finished, she basically said, well, it's your turn. And, you know, I hadn't even really thought about it. I mean, it's a lot of money. And I didn't think that um, it would really help me. You know, I, I mean, I just wasn't wasn't worried about it. And then uh, I was I was not working for the uh, directly for the government. I was working as a contractor uh, for the government, and we were hiring some new people. And one of the job requirements was that you had to have a four year degree. And this was for people that would be working with or below me. And so it dawned on me. Uh, I got this weird feeling that suddenly I wasn't qualified on paper to do the job that I had. And it kind of scared me. Um, you know, when they start hiring people and they need qualifications that you don't have, uh, it can be a little scary. And so, uh, I decided that Susan was probably right, that I should, um, go back and get, uh, my degree. Now they had it degrees. They had an it like network, uh, manager or something, but I really didn't want to do that. And one of their programs they had was called Organizational Leadership, which is what I enrolled in. Uh, organizational Leadership is kind of a degree, I would say it's almost like business manager or business management type uh, degree. So there's a lot of classes about um, communication and, well, you know what, I have the, the whole, all the classes I took here. Um, let's see, there was Interpersonal Communication, Personal and Professional Development, Organizational Behavior 1 and 2, Applied Research and Reporting, Human Resources Administration, Data Analysis, um, I'm going to skip this one, Group and Organizational Communication, Personal and Professional Ethics and Values, and then we had to do a Senior Research Paper as well. Uh, the one that I skipped is Biblical Perspectives in Western Culture, and this is the class that really scared me the most. Um, I did not go to church as a kid. I do not go to church as an adult. Um, so one of the first things, and this is a Nazarene university, and I knew that going into this. Um, and so they, they do have a emphasis on values. Um, you're not required to go to you know their church or go to uh, anything really other than this class. But um, you know their their values and their ethics are injected into the program, and I did not uh, have any problem with that. Um, but this biblical perspectives class, before we started the class, you know the teacher had everybody go around and say on a scale of one to five. Uh, and number one, they said we want to know what denomination you are, and number two, on a scale of one to five, how familiar are you with the Bible? Now, I can tell you how familiar I am with the Bible. Uh, when I was in like second or third grade, I would spend the night at my grandma's house, and she had these little golden picture books <laughs> that had the story of uh, Noah, and there was one about uh, the Good Samaritan. So I knew those. That's and and you know that and just common you know whatever's uh, you know public. I don't want to say public knowledge, but you know what I mean? Like uh, the story of, of Moses and, and Noah and things like that. Uh, so I said, uh, on a scale of one to five, I would say I'm between a one and a two. And uh, and I, what I wanted to say was non-denominational. But uh, I think what I said was, I don't remember, but someone asked me after the class if I go to a church uh, where there are where the people talk to snakes. <laughs> 
So whatever it was, I said the wrong thing. You know, I was trying to uh, come up with a, a generic term, and, and I, I messed it up. Uh, but anyway, so we're going around the room, and everybody's like, five, five, four, five. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I, you know, and then I, here I am, the one and a half. Um, and then I, and every, I feel like all eyes are on me. This is a class with, you know, probably close to 20 people, 15, 20 people, something like that. And I'm like, all eyes are on me. And then the very last guy, I think his name was Quinn, and he said, I'm a five, and I'm a Wiccan. <laughs> and everybody starts shooting him like the laser beams or whatever and I'm like oh gosh thank you Quinn like he took all the heat off of me you know uh, and, and that guy I really liked him he liked to play devil's advocate a lot um, so and then there was a, a Jewish guy in our class uh, who did he he was devil's advocate but I, he wasn't playing a role you know some people just choose the other side to argue just to have fun or show people you know the um the other side of an argument but this guy was like oh i'm i'm jewish and so someone said well what's the difference he's like well basically you know we believe this and we believe that everybody else in this room is going to hell and i was like well that's a good way to, to start off and make friends you know and, and it really was true uh and so but the guy was very standoffish um you know there was a, a thing that we did every week because we were in class from 6 p.m to 10 p.m that uh each group we broke up into groups and each group was responsible for bringing there were five groups and each group would bring uh lunch or dinner excuse me for um one of the five weeks so there were five groups and we each brought either week one, two, three, or four, five. We brought dinner for everybody. So sometimes it was ordering pizza. Sometimes it was homemade stuff, whatever. This guy refused to participate in that. Uh, so he would bring his sack lunch and leave the room. Or And this was not done. It was partially done as a convenience to everybody uh, so that you know we could eat. Sometimes we got up, got our pizza, sat back down, and the professor kept talking. But... You know, it was so it was done partially out of convenience for the students, but also as a bonding kind of thing where we're all, uh, you know, to use the phrase breaking bread together. We're all sitting down at the table, we're eating, we're talking not about school for just a few minutes. So, you know, everybody in that classroom, and there were, um, you know, people, uh, I mean, of, of different races, there were people from different incomes, there were people from different jobs. I mean, there were, uh, single moms that were in that course to try and better their lives. There were married dads like me, you know, who with one kid and one on the way. There were all different kinds of people. And to sit down and just talk with people about their lives, um, you know, there, there was a, uh, one guy in the class, I remember, and his, um, his son uh, had some sort of uh, disability. I think he had some sort of physical disability. And... Uh, uh, I, I had made a, a not a joke, but a kind of a, a comment, you know, or whatever. And then later, when I found out uh, about his son, I felt really terrible. And it, and it wasn't about his son. It really wasn't even about his sons. I mean, about people with disabilities. It was just kind of this offhanded comment. And so when we were having dinner one time, I, I talked to him. I apologized, and he said, "Oh, I, I didn't take it that way at all." Um, and actually, a couple times, or at least one time, I remember he needed a, a ride home. From school, his car broke down or something. I gave him a ride, um, but but it was all about. I love um, you know meeting people. A lot of times when I meet people, I I think like a journalist. 
I, I want to find out more about, you know, what is it they're interested in? What, what's, you know, tell me about your life. Like I'll, I, I almost kick into interview mode, um, where I try to get information out of people. And so I really liked that part of all these different people from different backgrounds, whatever. Uh, and actually, I mean, I, I made some friends in that class that I'm still friends with today, 10 years later, you know, so, uh, I really feel like that guy missed out on that experience. And, and, you know, sometimes you say, Hey man, I'm just here for the degree. I'm not here to make friends and you know, more power to him, but, uh, he definitely lost out. So anyway, this uh, biblical perspectives class, I was really kind of apprehensive about when I saw it. I, I knew that it was coming up, you know, and each class would go by and I would get a little bit more worried about, but what it was, was, um, it wasn't about, you know, confessionals or anything like that. It was about the facts um, and it, that probably that I don't want to rub anybody the wrong way. Uh, let me rephrase that. Not about the facts, but about um, like a lot about the geography about the Bible. So when it like it would discuss, you know, this war uh, took place or this battle, and the professor would pull up a map and he's like, "Look, see, this is valuable land. Like this is the high land. You know, this is why they would want this." And and really like taking some of the stories in there and, and putting it into a context, uh, like a historical kind of context that really kind of clicked. I really um, ended up enjoying that class quite a bit. Much more, I was afraid uh, going into it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, at the end of it, I, I really did have a good time in that and learn some stuff and, and, you know, you learn about other people and, and, uh, yeah, so, so it, it was a good class and it was a good program. It was really based on a lot about ethics, values, positive things. You know, we, uh, um, there, there wasn't negativity and not that I think there normally is in a college anyway, you know, but, uh, they really push that and, um. Uh, I was uh, elected class president of our class, which didn't really have a lot to do. I had, you know, there were a lot of times where I would get emails from the administration and I was supposed to disseminate the information to everybody. Um, and at the end of the class, I got voted, um, I got a distinguished award, which was, I didn't even know about, but it was voted on by uh, both the faculty and my classmates. And uh, I, I've got, um, awards, not awards, but certificates and things at work before, you know, but this one, uh, I got this little plaque and I still have it and it really meant a lot to me, you know, and, and um, uh, it was just a, a good program. I really enjoyed it. I was in it for, I think 13 months. Uh, and when I was done, I graduated with, uh, my, uh, MS in organizational leadership, which is always fun. You put it on a resume and people go, what? <laughs> and then you kind of say, eh, it's like business management with, with, but with the ethics, <laughs> not that all business managers are unethical, but, uh, uh, but yeah, it was definitely a fun program. And so that was the fourth school I went in again. I enrolled in it because Susan had done it and she said, um, you know, I've done it and it's your turn. And Susan, my whole life, we've been married for 20 years. We've known each other since, uh, we've known each other since seventh grade, my entire life. She has been the person that has stood behind and pushed me. You know, if it weren't for her, I guarantee you, I'd be living in an apartment somewhere with Metallica posters on the wall, probably holes in the wall. I would wear wrinkled and dirty clothes to work every day. Um, 
You know, I, I, I like to think that I have some motivation, <laughs> that I have some drive in life. Um, but a lot of times I can look back and say, you know, I was happy with the status quo and it was Susan that talked me into uh, trying something or moving forward, you know, or whatever. Which is kind of uh, what has happened recently. So, um, <clears throat> I feel like in my heart that I'm a writer. I write every day. I write something. Sometimes it's articles for other people's blogs. Uh, sometimes it's for my blog. I write on Rob. I used to write on RobOHara.com every day, uh, but I started splitting up my efforts. You know, so I started writing for the Retroist. Uh, I have over 300 articles on the Retroist blog. Um, so, and I didn't want to overlap. So that took away a little bit from my blogs because. I didn't want to write on, um, you know, the same about the same thing. And I think when I signed up, actually, he asked us not, you know, to cross post uh, things, you know. So, so I didn't do that. So I posted, um, you know, things on the retroist at least three times a week for a few years, or sometimes five times a week. Um, and then I was still writing things for RobOHara.com. I have over 400 reviews on reviewomatic.com which is a website that's nothing. I don't advertise it. I don't tell people about it. Um, all it is is when I feel like writing reviews, I'll go to reviewomatic and I will write a review about whether it's a movie or or an album or books. I I, don't, I haven't done it as much as I uh, used to, but um, you know, so it's just that thing in me that I like to write. When I started podcasting, I would write every word to an episode. Now, I mean, this is, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, there's like 10 bullet points to this whole podcast for this one, you know, but sometimes I do more research. Obviously on Sprite Castle, uh, I have to do more research and write things down, you know. Um, uh, same goes with, uh, there's a lot of research I do for, uh, you know, my movie podcast and for throwback reviews and uh, uh, multiple sadness. But, um you know, I, I, I'm just a writer. I just feel in my heart that I'm a writer, you know. And, of course, I wrote books. And this isn't about, I'm not trying to, like, list this laundry list of everything I've ever written. But the point is, is that I, I, I write, you know. And so I go to work during the day, and I work for eight hours, nine hours, whatever, on computers and stuff. And then I come home, and I write, you know. Now, going all the way back to that first school I went to, I interned at a local newspaper. Uh, and so I, I got this intern spot at a local newspaper, and I was 18, 19 years old, something like that. And uh, I, I got offered a job as a, a stringer. And so, and I've told this, I don't know if I've told this on You Don't Know Flat, but uh, what a stringer is, is that basically you write articles um, on spec. So if there's a, let's say there's a parade coming up next weekend. Uh, they'll post it on the bulletin board. They say, hey, we need an article about the parade. Ten reporters might go to the parade and write articles and turn them in. You turn them into the editor. The editor reads all ten art articles and he picks one of them. So the other nine go in the trash. Those people don't get paid. The tenth one, he'll look at, he'll edit, he'll he'll cut it down. They lay it out on the paper. And you get paid, and this was at the time, 50 cents per column inch. So... 
if the uh, article you know was was twelve inches long, then you get paid. You know, and I'm talking like the physical, like however long it is in the newspaper, you get paid six bucks. So you went to a parade for a couple of hours. You came home, you wrote an article, uh, you edited it, you turned it in, they edited it, and the best you could do was six dollars. And I just did the math at the time. I was like, you can't make a living doing that. And and in retrospect, you're probably not supposed to make a living doing that. You know, the idea is that you know you'll do that on the side until you get a full time position. Uh, you know, with the paper or writing or something else, you make a name for yourself. But at the time I was looking for a job where I could pay my bills and that wouldn't do it, you know? So I, I kind of walked away from that, but I've been writing ever since I actually had a, uh, my friend that I mentioned, Kelly Rupp, uh, who was my journalism teacher at Redlands owns her own newspaper for a year. I wrote feature articles for her paper just for free, you know, just for something to do. I'm always writing. And so I have this thing that's kind of bubbled up, and I think it's my version of a midlife crisis. Now, I want to say right off the bat, I'm not looking to quit my job. Uh, (laughs) So if you work with me and you're listening, I'm not planning on quitting my job. Um, But I just think, man, you know, every time I, not every time, but a lot of times, I'll post things. not articles, maybe I'll write a feature article for something, and people are like, you are an awesome writer. People tell me that, you know? And I just think, like, if I'm such a good writer, uh, why am I not able to make money as a writer? And the point of all this, let me bring this back around, uh, the point is that there are people that make a living uh, as writers, you know? And I've written... A couple of books. I wrote Commodore in 2006. I wrote Invading Spaces in 2008. I self-published them. They've sold, you know, uh, between the two, they've probably sold maybe 3,000 copies, something like that, which is not great. It's not terrible. Um, But I just feel like I want to take my writing to that next level. I want to, um, you know, I don't want to, at the end of the day, I don't want people to go, man, Rob O'Hara was a great writer, and if you want to read what he wrote, go check out robohara.com and his blog. And he talked a lot about you know things that made him mad at the state fair. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I have more to say than that stuff. That stuff is comes out of a desire to share, but also uh, a desire to write and not being able to focus, you know, on, on a project. So. I've had all these late night conversations with my wife. I've told her, you know, uh, I want to write. I want to do more. And she was looking online and found uh, at the University of Oklahoma a new, well, a relatively new program degree, a master's of professional writing. Now, the uh, professional writing program is a graduate program. It's not linked to what you would think, which would be the English department it's more tied to the journalism department and the focus of the masters of professional writing is, um, writing and selling your work. It's about genre writing. Mostly it's about fiction. It's not about poetry. Um, it's about, you know, short stories, novels, screenplays. That's pretty much the focus. It's about writing and selling your work. And that, when I saw that, it all clicked for me. I'm like, this is what I want. This is what I want to do. Again, it kind of comes back to that midlife crisis thing where you think, 
man, do I want to be retired and say, man, I had this government job and I loved it. I mean, I liked the people and I, and I did some stuff, but I sure wish I'd have been a writer and I don't want to do that, you know? And so that's kind of where my head is right now. So I looked at the program and there's a couple of prereqs you have to take and, and there's some pretty basic journalism and writing classes and stuff that I've had, uh, some of them, you know, 15 years ago, uh, 20 years ago now. And so I, I got in contact with them and there's one prereq um, that I ended up taking and I'm taking it right now. It is uh, called Writing the Short Story and it's about how to write short stories. Now I have written short stories, a lot of short stories. Um, and in this class, basically, I've learned that everything that I've done in writing short stories, either A, was wrong <laughs> or B, I've been lucky. Uh, and and so it, it, this is hard to explain, but uh, maybe like you could compare it to being a fighter, you know. And so you're a guy, and you're like, "Hey, let's fight!" And you put on a pair of boxing gloves, and you maybe you just have this natural instinct. You know how to time a duck. You know how to time a block, uh, and you, and you have this good rhythm. Whenever they jab, you move and you counter. You come back in. But you don't really know what you're doing. Like you can't explain it to somebody. You can't say, "Oh, this is what I. This is how I time this," or whatever. It's just like you have that feeling for it, you know. And I have that feeling for writing, um, you know. So I know when the characters need to dodge or when to punch. Uh, you know, I can feel it when I read it. I go back through and I'm like, "This isn't right. This is better." Um, but I can't explain it to you. I can't, couldn't teach you how to write because I don't know the rules. I just know what sounds good to me or what feels good to me in a story. And so this class I'm taking, this writing the short story, is teaching me the rules. And I love it. I absolutely love it to look at someone else's work and say, um, you know, this is what this writer did. And when you read it, you're like, I see, I see how they implemented this rule or this style or this, this type of, um, uh, stimulus response unit is what we've been talking about. Uh, and I really love it. And I, I'll tell you even more than that. When I walked into the class, uh, there, it's a class, there's 16 people in it. Uh, there are 15 and, and it's about split about 50, 50, I believe between undergrads and grad students. Um, everybody in there looks like a kid to me. Uh, and when I say kid, I mean early 20-something. Some of them are, are still teens. Um, but it's everybody and then the one old guy, which is me, <laughs> who sits in the back of the room. And I wrote a blog post about this, and it may have came off a little bit um, braggadocious. And I didn't mean it that way. But um, I, I tried to explain this to my wife that, uh, and, and this is what I explained in the post as well. Uh, and I, I made a comparison to wrestling. So in wrestling, professional wrestling, the guys go into the ring, but before they go in the ring, they cut their little promo and they have their microphone and they're like, I'm the baddest guy in the world. And the other guy's like, you're not, I am. And so they do all this posturing and all this stuff. But then, and, and I watch, I don't watch wrestling anymore, but I watch a lot of uh, MMA, mixed martial arts, and these guys get into the ring beforehand, and they talk smack about the other guy. Well, I don't like his mother. Well, I don't like what country he's from. Well, I don't like what country his mother's from. And they go back and forth, and they build up, you know, I'm sure this sells a lot of tickets and stuff. Um, but when it 
comes down to it, it's what you do in the ring. It's not all the talk you did beforehand. It's not whatever. It's when you get in the ring and then how do you perform, you know? And so that was my attitude when I went into this class. It wasn't, I don't want to go in there and say, hey, I, th- I think I know how to write or I've written some other stuff or any- I didn't say a word. I sat in the back of the class until we turned in our first assignment. We got our assignments back. Um, and my short story got an A plus. I looked online, I got a hundred out of a hundred. So, um, and, and it's not, I'm not happy about that because I got a hundred. Um, I'm happy about that because a professor at a writing program, masters of professional writing handed me back something I wrote and said, you're doing it right. You know, and so, and and there's two layers of that. One is I needed someone else to tell me that I'm doing it right, but I also myself needed to know I'm doing it right. You know, now every day I go to class, I learn something. You know, um, we talk about how to deal with time in stories, we talked about how to plot out your climax, we talked about, you know, talked about uh, the percentages. Uh, where things happen, like this much of the story is the background, this much is, you know, uh, rising action, those sorts of things like that. It's stuff I didn't know. You know, I could read a story and say, you know what, the the beginning's too boring, it needs to be shorter. I mean, so it, again, it's that instinct, but I don't know the actual rules, and so it's just fantastic. And I got to tell you, every time I go to school, those type of juices start flowing in me those type of creative like man i want to be doing this more man i want to you know write more uh man i'm not happy with the status quo and that's what i feel right now i also um it's funny because when you walk into a classroom like i did and a lot of these other kids have gone through some english programs together so a lot of these kids know know one another um and I don't know anybody, you know, so I'm definitely feel like the oddball <laughs> of the group. Uh, so my bond with any other student is not because we showed up and, and we hit it off. In fact, I, I mean, I, it's taken me several weeks to learn, you know, some of the, some of their names, but part of the program, when you turn your short stories in is that they're posted on an internal website where you can see everybody else's stories. And now the people that I am drawn to in that class, and when I say drawn to, I mean people I would want to have conversations with or discuss things are the people that are writers. You know, so the people that turn in stories that I thought were good, were well uh, written, um, not just uh, from a grammatical standpoint, but from a plot standpoint. Those are the people that, uh, you know, I've started communicating with a little bit more. Anyway, I, I'm kind of going off on, on the program a little bit more than I intended, but I am excited about it. I am currently putting together my application package for the uh, uh, Masters of Professional Writing program. It has to be in by the end of this month, and uh, then I will, uh, I guess they judge it, and then they will let me know if I've been accepted into the program next spring, which means a lot more time invested and a lot more money (laughs) invested but um this is the first time really that that i can think of that i have gone to school because i want to go to school uh, if that makes sense 
I went to Redlands, the first school I went to, because I was out of high school and I didn't know what I wanted to do. I went to Southwestern because uh, Susan was there and asked me to come join them, so that I did that. I went to OKCCC to wrap up all those loose ends, to finish that associate's degree that I had started 10 years earlier. I went to SNU because Susan had gone to SNU and because I was afraid that if I didn't finally have a degree that I wouldn't be qualified for the job I had. But this feels different to me. I am going to school right now and I'm applying to this program because I want to change, uh, not change who I am, but change my life, maybe? To change, you know... There are business portions of this program. It's not just about being a good writer. It's it's about selling your writing. It's about how do you write what sells. And that doesn't mean changing your interests. It means uh, adapting what you write into what people uh, expect to read. You can have a great story um, and have it not written well uh, and not written in a way that publishers will pick it up and sell it. You know, So it's more about that. Where will I be in a year or two years from now? I don't know. Um, will I be at the same job and writing stuff at night? Possibly. Probably. Um, will I have uh, sold a novel? I don't know. Will I have, you know, done something different? Yes. That that I can guarantee you. So, until uh, until that happens, I will keep doing well. That, and that's a misnomer. I'm going to keep doing You Don't Know Flack forever. <laughs> they may be sporadic, they may uh, be timed weird, um, but I'll always have time for this show. I'll always have, uh, you know, my love for old technology, for retro stuff, uh, and whatever it is, and I'll always need a place to talk about those things. So, you don't know Flack will be around forever, don't worry about that. Um, other projects I'm working on may slow down, you know, temporarily, but uh, I hope to keep those things moving forward soon, so... Anyway, thanks for uh, bearing with me on this. I know this is kind of a weird episode. Next week we will, uh, or in the next episode, uh, I think we'll probably talk about uh, that retro pub or the track and field thing, one or the other. If you have a preference, uh, shoot me a note in one of the places to get a hold of me. Um, But that uh, wraps up my talk about college. So I'm going to get back to my homework, and uh, thanks for listening. That wraps up another episode of You Don't Know Flack. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you'd like to send me feedback about this episode or any other episode of You Don't Know Flack, you can email me at robohara at robohara.com. Contact me on Twitter at Commodork. Follow the show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash you don't know flack. That's all one word. Or leave me voicemail on the You Don't Know Flack podcast hotline at area code 405-486-YDKF. You Don't Know Flack is available from iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the You Don't Know Flack RSS feed, and through throwbacknetwork.net, your home for quality retro podcasts. If you'd like to hear more podcasts from me, check out my Commodore 64-themed podcast, Sprite Castle, at spritecastle.com, and Throwback Reviews at throwbackreviews.com. Both of these shows are also available at throwbacknetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on another episode of You Don't Know Flack.